You are listening to the ARB podcast. Tune in as you stir yourself up by filling your ears with the anointed messages of faith as you strengthen your spirit at any time of day. And we'll see you on the other side of faith. Hallelujah. Every eye be closed, every hand be lifted high up right now. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you, Father God. Father, I welcome your presence here in our midst this evening. I pray that you take complete control. I pray that not one person will go back the same way that they came. I pray that your word will go with power. And I pray, O oh Lord God, that there will be miracles in their lives that they never expected to see. That they will be shocked by your goodness today in the name of Jesus. I thank you for what you're about to do tonight. I give you thanks in advance. I pray that the word that is sown, that it bear fruit and much fruit, and let that fruit remain in the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord. We give you the glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. All right. I'm looking forward to tonight. You know, I, in my spirit, you know, for the past couple of hours I've been praying, and it was almost like there is an anointing that is shut up in my bones right now. And when I'm, and, and especially when I feel that way, I know that it's a time for breakthroughs. I promise you tonight there are going to be breakthroughs breaking out all across this place tonight. I'm not going to take much time tonight, but I want you to quickly open your Bibles with me. Second Corinthians chapter 9. And this is probably one of my favorite scriptures, and I'll tell you why. I think this was about seven years ago. I was here sitting right there in the front row. And, uh, you know, I was a giver, but I was not a radic radical giver, you know. And so I was sitting in the front row here, and Pastor Rodney was preaching, and he pulled out 2 Corinthians chapter 9. He started reading from verse 6. He who sows sparingly will reap sparingly. He who sows bountifully will reap bountifully. Let each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity, for God, will, God loves a cheerful giver. And I've preached this message so many times that it, the whole chapter is just completely by heart by now. But I was sitting in the front row there, and they were reading the scripture. And as they were reading it, it kind of struck a chord on the inside of me. And it changed the way I thought. It changed the way I lived. You know, and, and that's why today I want to read, read to you the same scripture. I want, to, I want to go back to the basics of why we give and why we sow and why it's so important to give. And, uh, you know, let me tell you this. I'm from India. And as you know, India is not a very rich country. We do have the highest number of millionaires in the world, but it's extreme you know, uh, there's extreme wealth and there's extreme poverty. There's like two extremes in India. And people who are poor never become rich. And people who are rich stay rich. That's how the country is. It's a broken system. And in a place like that, God prospered me today where I have a 7,000 square foot office with just my studio space that's about 1,000 square feet. And not only that, the Lord blessed me with lands across the city of Bangalore, which is probably one of the most expensive cities in the nation of India. 
And uh, just so we know, and I'm going to say this today, it's not about this, but let me tell you this anyway. And this is just to provoke you, to make you think that if God can prosper a person from India, he can prosper anybody. Are you listening to me? Let me tell you, I'm not, you know, somebody asked me, so how do you, how do you get to, uh, you know, your studio every morning or your office every morning? I said, no, I take an elephant to the office every day. People ask me the stupidest questions, especially when I come to America, you know. There was this one person who was coming down to India to see me. And, and the first thing his wife texts me and asks me is, do you have Tropicana in India? I'm like, are you kidding me? Like we have, uh, forget it. But there are all kinds of weird questions that come across to you every time, you know, I talk to people from uh, the United States or other parts of the world. And that's one of the reasons why in the beginning I never really wanted to come to America, though I felt a call of God to preach in America. But still, I never wanted to come here because I thought, you know, they're all arrogant. You know, they're all, they're all know-it-alls. You know, they're not going to take anything I have to say seriously. And, uh, and so these are the kind of qu stupid questions that have come across me over the years. But thankfully, I, I drive a BMW 7 Series. Hallelujah. Praise God. Oh, brother, I don't like that you, you drive an expensive car. That's okay. I'll be sitting in my car, depressed, crying, in my 7 Series. Why am I telling you this? I'm telling you this only because I want you to understand. God can prosper anybody. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter who you are. The word of God works, be it in India or in America or any other part of the world. That's the same thing with miracles, signs, and wonders. If miracles happen in India, they happen in America. Why? It's the word of God. It's not about your situation. It's not about where you live. It is not about where you come from. That never determines your prosperity. Your prosperity is dependent on God and Him alone. Hallelujah. Open your Bibles, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6. But this I say, he who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. So that each one give as he purposes in his heart, not grudgingly or of necessity. For God loves the cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you. That you always having all sufficiency in all things may have an abundance for every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness endures forever. Now may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness. While you are enriched in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God for the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God while through the proof of this ministry they glorify God for the obedience of your confession of the gospel of Christ and for your liberal sharing with them and all men and by their prayer for you who long for you because of the exceeding, gra exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. 
I love this scripture so much, and I'll tell you why. You know, a lot of people don't understand the importance of giving because they, they don't understand where giving even began. Now, let me take you back. John 3, 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Now, let me tell you, giving is such a powerful thing that it is a principle that not only works for us, it even works for God. Hallelujah. What do I mean by that? Let me explain that to you. You have to, under and if you understand that this will change your perspective. Now, God looked in heaven to find the most precious thing he had in, in heaven to give to us humanity. And now here's what I want you to understand. He did not go find a prophet with a dirty beard, nor did he find an angel with a broken wing. Hallelujah. He found the most precious thing he had in heaven, which was his only son, and he took him as a seed, and he sold him to us. Are you listening to me? The kind of seed that you sow is the kind of harvest that you reap. God sowed his son and he reaped sons and daughters all across the world. Hallelujah. Now that's what I call a hundredfold blessing. Hallelujah. It's so important to understand that your giving begins there. When you love God, when you love somebody, there is no limit to your giving. You know, a lot of people are just too comfortable only giving their tithe every single month. But let me tell you this. Tithing is great, and I tithe without fail. But let me tell you this. I don't want to live, I don't want to live in a place where I'm giving my tithe, my 10%, for the rest of my life. I want to come to a point where I give God my 90% and I live on my 10%. Yeah. Hallelujah. That's my dream. And that's what I'm believing God for, to live that way. And it's possible. And now I'm going to explain this to you even better. Pastor Shannon, can I have you up here for a second? Now, God so loved the world that he gave, correct? I'm going to explain this to you. Pay attention to me. Now, I have this limited edition watch that I love very, very much. All right? Don't worry. I'm not giving this to you. <laughs> I'm not that generous yet. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> not tonight, Satan. No. <laughs> For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. Now, I love this watch so much, but I love Pastor Shannon too. Are you listening to me? I love this watch, but I love him too. But in fact, I love him more than I love this watch. So when I give this watch as a gift to Pastor Shannon, what am I saying? I'm telling Pastor Shannon, Pastor Shannon, I love this watch, yes. But I love you more than I love this watch. That's why I'm able to give it to you. Are you listening to me? Thank you. I'll have it back. (laughs) 
We're almost there. I, I, I almost love you that much. <laughs> but here's what I want you to understand. When God gave his only son, he was saying, I love you, humanity, more than I loved my own son. That's why I gave him to you. To be more like Jesus is to be a bigger giver. If you want to be like God, then I promise you, you cannot be like him without giving. Until unless you lose the love of money, you will never be able to receive God's fullness of his prosperity. Are you listening to me? The Bible does not say that, the, that money is the root of all evil. The Bible says the love of money is the root of all evil. You can have everything and love nothing. I promise you everything that God has given me today, I could give it up in an instant without even caring for it. The BMW means nothing to me. The offices mean nothing to me. The land means nothing to me. The watches I own means nothing to me. I could give anything up in a blink of an eye because I love him more than what he gave me. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's the problem with a lot of people. They ask, you know, why, why do you guys always talk about giving, giving, giving? Let me tell you, giving opens up your heart to receive a blessing from heaven. When you take your eyes off money and you put it on God, saying my money is not my source, God is my source, God is pleased with that. And the reason I love 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6 is for this very simple reason. For he who sows sparingly reaps sparingly, he who sows bountifully reaps bountifully. If someone is sowing sparingly, that means they love sparingly also. Hallelujah. Are you listening to me? I want to let everybody's like, oh. It's the truth. Tell me, when have you ever given somebody a gift that you do not like? I don't like you, so I want to give you a gift. No. Nobody does that. You only give when you love somebody. And the value of the gift also shows how much you love that person. Are you listening to me? And that's why we talk about giving so much. Because it is a direct reflection of how much your heart and how much you belong to God. There has been times in my life where whenever I felt like something, that, something had a hold over me, I gave it away. Because I don't want to have anything that becomes an idol in my life. The Bible says, you shall not, thou shall not have any other God beside me. Are you listening to me? In India, we have 3,000 gods. You know? And let me ask you this. If you bow down to one of those gods, would you go to heaven? Then let me ask you. If you made your money your idol, would you go to heaven? Anything that takes the place of God in your life becomes an idol. That's why when Jesus went, met the rich young ruler, he said, go sell everything. 
Not because Jesus was anti-prosperity. If you continue reading that scripture, it talks about a hundredfold blessing, houses, brothers, sisters, lands, and everything in this life. So he was never against prosperity. He was, he, the Bible says he was moved with love and he told the rich young ruler to go sell everything. God rather have you poor and make it to heaven than you be rich and go to hell. Are you listening to me? That's why you have to make sure that there is nothing in your life that you love more than God. And every year in my life, I made a decision to God. I said, I'm going to empty my ministry bank account every year at the end of the year. And I'm going to start every year with zero bank balance. People find security in the money that they get. And the reason why people, you know, have a difficult tithing as well is because it's easy to tithe when your income is about $2,000 every month. It's easy. 200 bucks, whatever. Wait till it goes to 100000 Then it becomes $10,000. Wait till it gets to a million. It keeps increasing. But now here's the thing, if you are unable to give when you have $2,000, how can God trust you to give when you have a million dollars? That's what the Bible says, you've got to be faithful with the little. Everybody just, you know, people are always in this mode of, you know, I, I want to be rich, I want to be rich. But let me tell you, why do you want to be rich? Be being rich should not be the goal. Are you listening to me? The question is, why do you want to be rich? If you read 2 Corinthians chapter 9 again, it talks about there for all liberality. Are you listening to me? We need to be rich only when we are blessed can we bless others. Your goal should be, Lord, make me rich so I can be generous in every occasion. Hallelujah. And as I was telling you that story, I was sitting up here in the front row and um, Pastor Rodney was talking about this. And as he was talking about it, the Bible continued to say, it says, God gives seed to the sower, bread for food, and he supplies and multiplies. Say supplies. supplies. And multiplies. God literally does everything. The only job that you have is to put a seed in the ground. He supplies the seed and he multiplies the seed. Now let me explain this to you. You know, in India, we, had, we just wrapped up mango season. You know, we love mangoes, you know. We get boxes of mangoes from my, uh, my grandparents' farm. They have a mango farm, and we get, like, boxes every single year. I look forward to that. My granddad is, like, about 88 years old now, and uh, he still makes sure that he personally picks those mangoes for me and sends it across, you know. And uh, 
sometimes, you know, me and my little sister, we sit around, you know, she comes over. We sit down and, you know, we kind of like dig in through the mangoes. We don't even cut the mangoes, you know. We're just so greedy, which is a sin. It's all right. The grace of God will help me. <laughs> but we sit down and we dig through those mangoes. And obviously, you know, you have too many mangoes. What happens? You, you have diarrhea, you know. So the next couple of days, you spend it in the toilet, you know. <laughs> but it's okay. Once a year. Now, going back to my message. <laughs> now, imagine, have you ever seen a mango seed in your life? Have you seen a mango seed? Okay. Now, when you see, when you have a mango seed, imagine you finish your mango, you love it so much, and you want more of that, so you're like, you know what, I'm going to sow the seed. So you grab the mango seed into your hands, and you hold it in your hands, and you pray over it. Father, in the name of Jesus, I pray. That this mango, mango seed will multiply, will turn into a tree and bear much fruit in Jesus' name. Pray and confess that for the next 55 years. I promise you nothing's going to happen. <laughs> confess all you want. There are some things that, do not, that are not released by confession but, but only by action. Are you listening to me? You can't keep confessing and say, God, give me a breakthrough. It's never going to happen. The only way for you to have a mango tree with mango fruit is if you take that seed, put it in the ground, cover it, and then water it, and that grows and turns into a tree. But till you are willing to let go of that seed to be buried, and to be separated from you, you're not ready for your harvest. Amen. Are you listening to me? Amen. Now, even when God sowed his only son, Jesus, when he sowed his son, his son had to die, just like the seed. His son had to be buried, just like the seed. But he did not remain buried. After three days, he rose again from the dead. In the same way, in the same way, when you take a seed that God has placed with you and you put it in the ground, that's when your harvest comes. And you have to understand, he's already given you the seed. And he's the one who will give you the multiplication of that seed. All you have to do is obey by faith. Faith without works is dead. You can pray all you want. But till that prayer is backed up with an action of faith, nothing is going to change. And going back to that story, I was, I was sitting in the front row and, pa and, and Pastor Rodney was reading this message. And as, he, and as he was, God gives seed to the sower. Bread for food supplies and multiplies. I was sitting there. And in India, we have crazy rules. You cannot send money from India to other countries. You can only receive. 
And uh, I was bothered by that because I, I, I wanted to sew something and I couldn't. And uh, we had a U.S. account here, but we didn't have much cash in there. And I sat there and I said, God, you give seed to the sower. I said, God, give me seed right now. And I kid you not, two minutes after I said that, my ministry office, they called me up and they said, somebody just deposited $60,000 into your ministry. I was like, what? Who? Are you sure it's not an error? Like, what happened? I'm telling you, immediately, I wrote my check. That was my first biggest check I ever wrote to this place. And from that day onwards, I promise you, I have never lacked. And let me tell you something about this. The Bible says, as long as the earth remains, seed time and harvest will remain. It doesn't say seed time and harvest time. Are you listening to me? It says seed time and harvest. That means there can be seeds that you sow here that will continue to show up for the rest of your life. And I say this before God. I say this before God. There is, I, according to me, say according to Ankith. Say it loudly, according to Ankith. Yeah. According to me, there is no greater soil in the entire world that you need to sow and accept this ministry. I'm telling you. And I don't just say things. I have seen this happen in my life time and again. Today, if I'm as prosperous as I am, driving what I'm driving, doing all our crusades, reaching out to millions of people, my finances went to another level when I sowed that seed into this ministry. Wow. Brother, how do I know what, what is my seed? How do I know what I should eat? Let me explain it to you. What does not meet your need, it is your seed. And let me explain that. Your need for this month might be $2,000. And all you have in your bank account is $500. Your $500 is not going to meet your $2,000 need. And when it doesn't meet your need, it becomes your seed. Are you listening to me? It's such an important thing to understand that because when you don't understand this, you continue to sit and wait around for God to bless you. God, when you bless me, I will give. It's never going to happen. You need to give first, and God will multiply that. I'm going to finally read one more thing. I want you to open the Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. Matthew 6, 22. I'm reading from the Passion Translation. The eyes of your spirit allow revelation light to enter into your being. If your heart is unclouded, 
the light floods in. But if your eyes are focused on money, the light cannot penetrate the darkness and darkness takes its place. How profound will be the darkness within you if the light of truth cannot enter? How could you worship two gods at the same time? You will have to hate one and love the other or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot worship the true God while enslaved to the God of money. Isn't that powerful? In this world, you think there are 3,000 gods in India? There, there aren't. There are only two gods in this world. One is our God, the living God, and there is mammon, and that's money. There are only two gods. The, 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 the uniting factor in the world is money. <clears throat> the uniting factor in the kingdom is God. Hallelujah. Now you have to understand this. You can serve God or you can serve money. You cannot serve both. And you might be wondering, I'm a Christian. I've been a Christian all my, all my life. How can I be serving money? I'm sure I'm serving God. How can you say that? Now I'll give you a moment to examine yourself. And let me put it like this. How do you know who is your God? Is God your God? Is money your God? How do you know? One simple way. If money dictates to you what you can and cannot do for God, then money is your God and God is not your God. Are you listening to me? <clears throat> what do I mean by that? It's very simple. If you are spending your life paycheck to paycheck trying to figure out where I can get more money to pay the next bill, to pay the next credit card bill, to pay my next loan, to pay my next easy monthly installment. If you are living that way and basing every action that you take to pay that bill, then money is your God and God is not your God. That means you've made your job and everything else in your life your source, source and God not your source. Hallelujah. How do you take your eyes off money? By sowing. You know what you do when, when you sow? Here's what you're doing. <clears throat> this is all I have left. This is $500. This is all I have left. When you take it and when you sow it, you know what happens? This is what you have to understand. When you take the $500 and when you sow it, you're telling God, God, all this while, I expected this to take care of my need. Now, I'm letting this go and I'm looking at you and saying, God, you are my source. I'm not looking at this anymore. I'm looking to you. And when you put God in a position where he has to show up, he loves showing up. Yes. Hallelujah. And that's how I've lived my whole life. I'll tell you one last story before I close. Is that okay? One, one last story and I'm, then I'm going to get into the main service. But <clears throat> I'll tell you this one, one last story. A couple, uh, probably this is about a year and a half ago, and I was actually um, in India in, in a place called Gujarat, and we had a crusade with over 300,000 people. The place was packed out. We, it was like an ocean of people, and I couldn't even see the end of the ground. Like It was just people everywhere. And uh, as I was finishing the, finishing the third night of the crusade, I wrapped up the crusade, then I walked down the stairs, 
and uh, walked back to the green room and then, in, then, and then into my van. And as I was walking from the green room to my van, here's what happened. There was this pastor who came to the service. He ran up to me and he literally fell at my feet and grabbed my feet. And he wouldn't let me go. He looks at me and he says, I want you to come to my church. And the security is trying to grab him and trying to push him away. He's like, I want you to, he wouldn't let me go. I want you to come to my church. I want you to come to my church. I said, tomorrow Sunday morning, I have, we have a pastors and leaders conference which seats about 30,000 people in the morning. And there's this pastor that, you know, that, uh, that the Lord used to, you know, the Lord used me to prosper him. And uh, he was with me. <clears throat> and he's, he's, he's probably one of the, you know, preachers that I love listening to anyway. And um, I looked at him and I said, um, who is this guy? And he says, no, you know, don't worry about him. Like he's, he has a church of 100, uh, probably, you know, sorry, 40 to 50 people uh, in this mud hut, you know, in the jungle. And it's probably unsafe for you to go anyway because of who you are. And I said, okay. And then suddenly the Lord spoke to me. It was a clear voice. I heard his audible voice. He said, son, go. And the minute he said that to me, I looked at him. His name is Jesudian. And I said, I'm going to his church. And he said, why? I said, no, I'm going to his church. And he said, okay. And I said, you take the service tomorrow morning. I'm going to head to, head to, head to his church. And uh, so the next morning arrives and, and I get into my car and we, we start moving uh, with my team <clears throat> into these jungle, you know, and I was kind of freaking out because, you know, now at this point I'm thinking maybe he's kidnapping me, you know, because in India, it's a real threat. You know, it's not just a joke. In India, it's like, you know, I've almost been shot three times now, barely missed it. And, uh, you know, I've been, I've been arrested. I've almost been arrested a couple of times. And thankfully, I missed both the times. Um, I don't think I'd be able to handle prison life. But if I have to, you know, because look at me. I mean, can you imagine me not eating? <laughs> like, you know, if I, if I do get arrested, it should probably be in the United States. They probably have better food here. So... <laughs> I'm kidding, but <laughs> anyway, <laughs> that's just stupid. <laughs> anyway, so we start moving, and I'm like a little worried now because we were going to this whole jungle, and I'm, I'm trying to figure out what's happening here, and uh, finally, um, we kind of make it, and uh, here's what happens. As a car starts coming in, I saw this mud hut in a distance. And when I say mud hut, it's like it's completely made. It's like a clay hut. It's like a clay hut. I've never, it's, a, it's I don't even know how they put it together, but it was really weird. And um, I saw it and I was like, the church is happening there? That's insane. And uh, I opened my car door. And from within that mud hut, I could hear people worshiping, clapping, and praising God. I promise you, Hillsong can go take a hike. I have never heard worship like that in my whole entire life. Because they had nothing. All they knew was to worship God. And they were like worshiping God with all their hearts and everything that they had. It was insane. And uh, I saw that. And it, it, it touched me. And I started like weeping looking at that. And I said, Lord, 
This is amazing. I, I, I would let go of anything to just preach in places like this, you know. And um, so I started walking into the service, and it was a crammed in place. Like, I, I had to, like, literally, like, you know, move around people's heads and, you know, everything and walk up to the front. And uh, the pastor looks at me and he says, we're going, we're, going to, uh, we're going to have this man of God preach and we're going to give him the offering today. And I never asked for anything, obviously, because these are all poor people. They're all farmers and, you know, they have nothing at all. <clears throat> and so I stood up there and I, start, I, began to, I began to preach. And as I began to preach, the Lord spoke to me and said, preach prosperity. I said, God, are you insane? You want me to preach prosperity here? Have you seen these people preach prosperity here? People, if people find out that I preach prosperity to all these poor people, they're going to come after me. I said, I'm not preaching prosperity. The Lord spoke to me and said, if you don't preach prosperity here, I will take your prosperity away. And I said, I'd like to hold on to it, Jesus. And so, <laughs> and so, you know, I said, sure. And I, you know, I started preaching on prosperity and sowing and reaping and everything. And uh, at the end of the service, I was about to close. And the Lord said, now take an offering. I said, God, it wasn't enough that you had me preach a message on prosperity. Now you want me to take an offering from these people. Like, oh, Jesus, have mercy on me. And, uh. My staff is looking at me like, what the heck is he doing? Like taking an offering here. <laughs> and then I stood there and I said, now we're going to take an offering. And um, I said, all those who want to give can give. I'm telling you, these people literally jumped up from the floor. And when I say a floor, there's no real floor. It was just like a, it was just ground, you know. And they just jumped up from the floor and people ran out of the building. And I'm like, what did I do? Are they upset with me? What is going on? Why did they run out of the building? And they started running out of the building. And they came back in a few minutes, and they brought, like, bags of rice, tomatoes, whatever they had left. They took it, and they, like, threw it on the stage. And I'm looking at it, and I'm crying, standing there looking at their generosity. Obviously, it doesn't amount to anything. It does, probably the whole thing amounted to about $10. Are probably less, you know. And uh, they started giving like crazy. And you should have seen the stage. It was heaped up with rice and tomatoes and like all kinds of things and a little bit of cash and mixed in there somewhere in the tomato juice, you know. <laughs> and, and I'm looking at this whole thing as this is happening in front of me. And the Lord said, you're going to take this offering back. And I said, okay. So we took whatever, you know, groceries, basically, right? So we have a chef that travels with us because, you know, different foods kind of mess up with, mess with your stomach and whatever. So we gave all those groceries to my, you know, to the chef, and they made food with that. And we, me and my staff, we ate that food. <clears throat> but here's the thing. <clears throat> Nine months later, I come back to the same city for a conference. Nine months. Now, I'm not making this up. I have, this, I have the videos and pictures on my Instagram. You can go check it out. <clears throat> and uh, nine months later, I land into that city. 
And as I land in there, here's what happens. A guy comes out of nowhere, grabs me, and picks me up like that. And I'm like, what the heck? And my whole staff kind of freaks out because, you know, somebody's trying to come and kill me, you know? Today, for example, today, you know, I didn't know what was happening. I was sitting outside, and I saw this man, you know, come up with a cane. And for me, I'm in, like, crusade mode, you know? I'm, like, so high-strung when I'm in crusade mode. And this guy's walking up, up there in the front this morning, and I'm looking at him like, this guy better not pull any moves, you know? I might go and body slam him. Like, all these thoughts running in my head. <clears throat> I was like, ah! Like, you know. <laughs> that's, that's just how it is, you know, with... After doing crusades, you know, you, you, you're like high-strung like that. And it's not like America is like, you know, America anymore. <clears throat> but anyway, so basically I, I land and this guy grabs me and I don't know who he is and my, my, my security pulls him off and they're like, who, the, who, who are you? And uh, he says, do you remember me? I said, no, I don't remember who you are. He's like, look at me, do you remember me? I said, no, I don't remember who you are. Like, I obviously don't remember, I, otherwise I would, I would tell you. And he looked at me and he says, <clears throat> do you remember that little church that you came to uh, nine months ago? And I said, yeah, I do. Oh, you're that pastor. I said, hey, how are you doing? And he said, it's fantastic. He said, uh, can you come to my church? <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, seriously? I'm like, all right, let's do this, you know, whatever. And like this time I'm, I wasn't led by God. I was like, sure, you know. So my, my guys are like, you haven't even had dinner. I said, no, it's fine, let's go. We started driving. We probably reached that place at 11.45 p.m. or whatever. And as I was there, here's what happened. Um, dark jungles and trees and everything and then suddenly I see this bright light and I, I don't know what's going on and then the car suddenly stops out of nowhere and uh, this guy comes around opens the door for me and uh, he says come with me and we start walking up the stairs and as I start walking up he opens this door wide and as the door opens up I walk in, and I stand there, and I see a church in front of me of 2,000 people. And I'm like, what is going on? And the guy looks at me, and he says, you, the same church that you came to, this is the church now. In nine months, we began to prosper so much. My people began to prosper so much that we built this building in nine months. They had lights, cameras, sound. They had like the whole shebang. I was like, what is going on? And then I stood up there on that stage. And the pastor said, for nine months, we've been collecting gifts for you and we want to sow. I began to weep, okay? And he told his people in his language to come and start sowing. People stood up. They came. They started dropping money, like, on my feet. And it took me back to the scripture. They laid their offerings at the feet of the disciples. For me, it was living that scripture, you know, in real life. And I'm standing, I'm, like, moved, and I'm in, I'm in tears, and I'm weeping, and I'm crying, and people are sowing. And I had like a heap of cash. This time, no tomatoes, no rice bags. 
It was just a lot of cash. And we picked up the cash, and you know, I preached that evening, and I, I went back to my hotel, and my staff counted it. And there was $6,000 in the offering. Come on, give the Lord a mighty hand. Why am I telling you this story? The message of prosperity. People say, oh, the prosperity gospel. There is no such thing as a prosperity gospel. There is only the gospel. And when the gospel is proclaimed, there shall be breakthroughs in the name of Jesus. You cannot obey the word and remain poor. It doesn't work that way. My God is a miracle working God. Isaac sowed in the time of famine. Hallelujah. And what happened in that same year, he reaped a hundredfold. The world might be going through a time of famine, but I promise you, in this time of famine, when you hold on to the word and say, the world will not have the final say in my life, but the word will have final say in my life. And when you hold on to the word and you step out in faith, I promise you, your miracle is just around the corner. Are you listening to me? If God can do things like this in India, he can do it here in America. When I love what Pastor Rodney says. When nothing means anything, God will give you everything. My desire is to fund the gospel in my lifetime. I told God, God, I want to be the first person and the last person you need to ask for money. You know why? God does not like fixed deposit Christians. God likes ATM Christians. When God goes, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, beep, 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 boop, enter. You, you better be like, how much, Lord? Are you listening to me? I'm believing God. In, in the next two years, the Lord will make me a multi-billionaire. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how many of you have the desire to pay for the entire property that Pastor Rodney's planning to build. I don't know about you. But if you slack off, I'm going to do it. Are you listening to me? But here's what I'm trying to say. When your reason for prosperity becomes the advancement of the gospel, and when the love of money leaves your heart, and you start stepping out in faith, I promise you, everything, every finance that was once upon a time dead in your, in your life 
I'm telling you, even the people that have lost jobs, even the people who have literally, who are literally drowned in loans and debts, I promise you, God will pull you out of that place into the land flowing with milk and honey. And in the name of Jesus, I prophesy this over your life. I declare and I decree, you will overflow all the days of your life. You will never lack as long as you shall live in the name of Jesus. By the end of this year, you will see a hundredfold blessing coming to you like a tsunami from heaven. God will break open every barrier that stopped your blessing and you will have an overflow in the name of Jesus. Many of you living in rented homes will have your own homes by the end of this year in the name of Jesus. Many of you who have lost jobs, God is going to give you divine supernatural ideas that will turn you into a multi-millionaire who will fund the end time harvest in the name of Jesus. If God can do it to a skinny brown Indian, he can do it to you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Get ready for your overflow. Get ready for your overflow. If you've been blessed by our podcast, connect with us online at www.ankithrambabu.org for more information. Email us at partners at ankithrambabu.org to sponsor our meetings or crusades, enabling yourself to reap the same rewards.